ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم اما بعد we continue with the 40 hadith of al-imam an-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala and we're on the 6th hadith on the authority of an-nu'man ibn bashir radiyallahu anhuma regarding the halal being clear and the haram being clear in between them are the doubtful matters we arrive to the statement of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this is the ending part of the narration ala وَإِنَّ فِي الْجَسِدِ مُضْغَةٍ إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسُدُ كُلُّ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسُدُ كُلُّ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentioned Indeed there is in the body a morsel of flesh If it is sound Then the entire body will be sound And if it is corrupt The entire body will be corrupt Indeed it is the heart This statement of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam establishes the importance of the inner purification the inner tazkiyah the inner purity as purification in the deen you have the physical purification like in the removal of impurities from the body you have the purification by way of wudu purification by way of ghusl but the most important purification is the purification of the heart the purification of the soul for if the heart is corrupted then the physical purification cannot change the corruption that is within if a person heart is a panshirk as an example but the person takes a shower or bath the person is still impure 
due to the impurity of the heart, the impurity of the belief. As Allah Azza wa Jal describes the polytheists, that the mushrikeen, they are najis, they are impure. And the impurity is in relation to the impurity of the heart, the impurity of their belief. So this hadith establishes that the origin is the heart. And the greatest reason for a person to stay away from doubtful matters is the taqwa of the heart. This is the protection. And so for this reason, the Prophet ﷺ, he pointed to his heart, to his chest three times, and he said, At-taqwa ha-huna. At-taqwa ha-huna. At-taqwa ha-huna. He said that the taqwa is here. The taqwa is here. The taqwa is here. Meaning the piety of the individual begins from the heart. So when the heart is filled with the taqwa of Allah, then the actions, the speech, will also be upon the taqwa of the heart. So the heart is the guide of the body parts. The heart is the imam of the body parts. And this here establishes the falsehood of those who say, my heart is pure, or I have a good heart, or so-and-so has a good heart, but yet this individual is indulged into the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a great level. Because if the heart of the person was truly pure and a good heart, then this individual would not be indulging in acts of disobedience. That doesn't mean that a person will not make a mistake. There's a difference between a person falling short, making tawbah, rectifying their situation, if he slips, he gets up and he keeps moving forward. Then a person who is deeply involved in sin and has taken sin as a way of life. It's a difference between the two. For indeed, every last one of us, we make mistakes. As the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned, Kullu Bani Adam Khattah. All of the children of Adam, they constantly fall into sin. They constantly fall into error. But the best of them are the ones who constantly make tawbah. So even though they're falling into mistakes, falling into sin, they're rectifying these affairs by turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with tawbah. Different from the ones who are indulging in the acts of disobedience of Allah And they are not returning back to Allah with tawbah Rather they have chosen this path as their way of life As their methodology, the path of sin and transgression 
So if the person's heart was truly pure, then the body parts would be pure. The person's speech will be pure. So when we see a person involved in the acts of disobedience, this is an indication of there being impurity in the heart or filth and corruption in the heart. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stated, تُعْرَضْ الْفِتَنُ عَلَى الْقُلُوبِ كَالْحَصِيرُ عُودًا عُودًا فَأَيُّ قَلْبٍ أُشْرِبَهَا نُكِتَتْ فِيهِ نُكْتَةٌ سَوْدًا وَأَيُّ قَلْبٍ أَنْكَرَهَا نُكِتَتْ فِيهِ نُكْتَةٌ بَيْضًا حتى تصير على قلبين على أبيض مثل الصفاء فلا تضره فتنة ما دامت السماوات والأرض والآخر أسود مربادا كالكوزي مجخيا لا يعرف معروفا ولا ينكر منكرا here in this narration, the Prophet ﷺ, he speaks about the heart. He said that the trials and tribulations will come upon the hearts, the fitin. And we know that fitna is of two categories. You have fitna to shubuhat and fitna to shahawat. You have the trials and tribulations of doubt and then the trials and tribulations of the desires. The trials and tribulations of doubts is a person having confusion in, in the religion. He's, he's afflicted with confusion in the religion. He's indulging in matters of innovation, thinking that this is actually the religion, but in reality is not from the religion. And then you have the one Who His fitna is the desires And what is meant by this Is that this person he knows better He knows right from wrong However he is afflicted With giving in to His evil and lowly desires He knows Consuming intoxicants is haram but he has a desire for being intoxicated. So he drinks alcohol or he uses drugs to feel that feel. This person, he's not afflicted with doubts. He's afflicted with desires because he knows that's wrong. Or like the individual who knows that Allah Azza wa Jal has prohibited zina, illegal sexual intercourse, but even though he knows it's wrong, he still indulges in it. 
This individual doesn't have doubts in his deen. This individual is afflicted with desires. And other than that, from the matters of sin and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these trials and tribulations that come about, they are like the woven mat. And you see like the row after row after row. This is how the fitna comes upon the hearts of the people. One after another. Trial after trial. One trial is over. Turn up, here comes another one. And another one. And another one. This is how the fitna or the fitting will come to the hearts of the people. So any heart that takes in the fitting, gives in to the fitting, a black spot is placed upon the heart. And any heart that rejects the fitting, then a white spot is placed upon the heart. So this goes to show that indulging in disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it corrupts the heart. And turning away from the trials and tribulations, holding on to your deen, this purifies the heart. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned the two types of heart. One heart that is clear and white, and it would not be harmed by the fitan as long as the heavens and the earth remain. And in the other heart is like the black heart. And this black heart, it doesn't know any good or acknowledges any good nor rejects any evil. Except that which the hearts desire. Meaning this black heart it only goes in accordance to the desires. If the black heart follows the desires. Because this heart is sick. The heart is corrupted. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah ta'ala He mentioned that there are three types of hearts. You have the heart that is alive and well. The heart that is sahih. It is a good and, and well heart A healthy heart And then you have the heart that is maribu, The sick heart And then you have the heart that's dead The heart that is alive And well It is the heart of the righteous believer The one who is obedient To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, following the deen. This person's heart is alive and well, a heart that is nourished upon the Quran, a heart that loves obedience to Allah, turns away from disobedience of Allah. This heart is alive and is well. This healthy, a healthy heart. You have some people 
They have healthy diets Physically Their diets are healthy Exercise Four or five times a week Two three miles on the treadmill Jump rope, swimming Everything you could think of And if the person was to go to The doctor for a checkup The doctor would say you have a healthy heart But in reality the heart, his heart is dead Because of the kufr billah Because the dead heart Is the heart of the disbelievers The heart of the munafiqin The hypocrites This is the dead heart Their hearts are dead Regardless if the doctor says they have a healthy heart I mean this is only talking about From the dunya aspect of healthy The physical aspect of being healthy But as it relates to the religious aspect of health Then this heart is void of it Because the person disbelieves Or the person is pretending to be a believer So the person's heart in reality is dead So the heart And then you may have a Muslim that's sick High cholesterol High blood pressure Suffering from heart disease But his heart, he has, his heart is alive and well We, we, want, we want both <laughs> We want both We want a, a physical healthy heart And we want a religious healthy heart Right But you may have a Muslim he's sick But physically sick But Alhamdulillah, he accepts the decree of Allah, he's patient, he's a worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he reads the Quran, he finds delight in it, re- the person's heart is alive and well. So this is the, the, the heart that is alive, and the heart that is dead. And then you have the one that's in the middle, the sick heart. And this is the heart of the Muslim who is disobedient to Allah. He's a Muslim. His heart is not dead. However, his heart is polluted with sin. Polluted with disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet sallallahu he used to make a dua. And he used to make this dua in abundance. Showing the importance of the heart being upon the obedience of Allah and upon purification in the, in, in the deen, he would say, Allahumma muqallib al-qulub thabbit qalbi ala deenik. O Allah, the turner of the heart, establish my heart upon your religion. So it was said, Ya Rasulullah, awa inna al-qulub latataqallab O oh, Messenger of Allah, the hearts are going to turn. رَبَّنَا أَنْ لَا يُزِيقْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَانَا 
ونسأله أن يهب لنا من لدنه رحمة إنه هو الوهاب One thing, when we find that a believer is being afflicted with the calamity of falling into sin and being indulged in sin, we advise this believer, we advise the believer of the harms of the sin and how it causes distance between the believer and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that being upon sin is being upon the path of shaitan. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful and the bestower of mercy. And the door of tawbah is open. No matter how great the sin is or no matter how many times the person has fallen into the sin, Allah azawajal, He is merciful. One thing we definitely do not want to do with a person who is indulged in sin, we do not want to cause the person to fall into a state of despair, thinking that there is no hope for him. Because when a person thinks that there is no hope, this will push the person further into sin. And the proof of that is the hadith of the man who killed 99 people. When the monk told him there was no forgiveness for him, what did he do? He killed the monk. So he went deeper into sin. So now instead of 99 murders, he has 100 that he committed. Because he was put into a state of despair, thinking that Allah will not forgive him. And this is from the shaitan. To make you think that Allah will not forgive you so that you can go deeper into the sin. And even when in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the companion Abdullah, whose nickname was Himar, he used to make the Prophet ﷺ laugh. But at the time, he was struggling with the consumption of alcohol. Of Khamr. So he will be brought to the Prophet ﷺ and he will receive his punishment for drinking. And then once he was brought for the crime of drinking, one of the companions said, Ma akhtar ma yu'tabik. And he like, you have been brought so many times for this crime of drinking, like, like as a criticism. And one narration mentions that the, the a companion cursed him. And the Prophet said, Don't curse him. Don't aid the shaitan against your brother. For indeed, he loves Allah and His Messenger. But the wisdom in saying, Don't curse him. And don't aid the shaitan against your brother. Meaning, don't push him further into the sin. Don't push him further into the act of disobedience. 
yes, he has to get his punishment. Yes, his act of drinking and him being brought, this is not something that is praiseworthy. But don't push the person further into disobedience. Yes, at times we have to speak to people who are sinners in a stern way. But this is if it's going to be a benefit in speaking to that individual in a stern way. Some people, if you speak to them sternly, they'll snap out of it. And they will thank you, think, I needed that. I, I needed you to be like that with me, brother. Thank you for that. I, I needed that. But then you have many people, if you get like that with them, you push them away. You push them away. So Shaykh Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, he made a beautiful point and gave, gave an example as it relates to commanding the right and forbidding the wrong that when you command the right and forbid the wrong it shouldn't lead to a greater evil so if an individual comes who's smoking and then you come down upon this person hard or in a harsh manner and then that causes him to leave and then go to a bar to drink don't do that because drinking is worse than smoking Look for another way to remedy the situation. Because the goal is to stop the evil, not cause more evil. So when we're dealing with people who are sinners, we need to look at their situation, their state. What's the matter? What's the, uh, how is this individual with taking criticism or taking advice? These things need to be taken into consideration when speaking to people. And the origin is a rifq, gentleness, even when dealing with sinners. That's the origin. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الرِّفْقِ فِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ That indeed Allah, He loves Gentleness in all things So this is even when you're correcting somebody Even when you're criticizing somebody Even when you're reprimanding somebody The origin is to use gentleness Even again When you have to tell someone about themselves And that what they're doing is incorrect The origin is gentleness At times It is legislated to use sternness At times But that's not the origin So don't cause the person to fall into despair. Don't run the person away. Remind the person of the evils of sin and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remind the person of the hadith of the man who killed 99 people and then 100. And how Allah azza wa jal forgave the person. Remind the person of the narration that Allah azza wa jal forgave a prostitute. A prostitute from Bani Adam because she gave a thirsty dog a, a drink of water. That's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the tactics that we use when addressing people who are in sin. Perhaps when they remember and reflect that Allah is the most merciful, this will aid them to make tawbah. But you have the shaitan whispering to the person, telling the person Allah is not going to forgive you. Who? Of course Without a doubt 
Gentleness is definitely connected to having good manners. Definitely. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he had the best manners. And rifq was from his characteristics. Even when he dealt with those individuals from the Yahud who used to curse him. They would say, As-salamu alaykum. Prophet would say, Wa alaykum. They would say, As-salamu alaykum. Yani, may death be, af- be upon you. As-salam, as-salam, not as-salam. As-salamu alaykum. May death be upon you. But if you don't listen, you may think a person is saying, As-salamu alaykum. But they were saying, As-salamu alaykum. See? And you may say, oh, wa alaykum as-salam. They're not saying as-salamu. As-salamu alaykum. The Prophet heard them. But he just responded by saying, wa alaykum. Aisha radiallahu anha, she thought that he didn't hear them. And that he mistakenly thought that they said, as-salamu alaykum instead of as-salamu alaykum. So Aisha radiallahu anha, out of love for the Prophet ﷺ, who was her prophet and messenger and her husband, she went to defend him. So she responded to them, وَعَلَيْكُمْ مُسَّامُ وَلَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ Upon you is death and the curse of Allah. And she started to verbally reprimand him. And look what the Prophet ﷺ said to her. He said, مَهَلًا يَا Aisha, Take it easy, Aisha. Calm down. At this moment, they just wish death upon the Prophet ﷺ. And Aisha, she's only defending him. Radiallahu anha. The Prophet is telling her to calm down. Take it easy. He said, he, she said to him, Alam tasma' ma qalu? Did you not hear what they just said? He said, Alam tasma'i ma kultu? Kultu wa alaykum. She said to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did you not hear what they said to you? He said to her, but did you not hear what I said to them? I said to them, and upon you the same. <laughs> upon you the same. Death upon me, upon you the same. And we know Allah answers the dua of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but not the dua of the disbelievers against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But so the point is, look, look at the tactic or the tact of the Prophet. Look at the gentleness that even in responding to people who didn't want good for him and wished death upon him, there was rift. And he mentioned this uh, to the Prophet, to Aisha radiallahu anha. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi mentioned, That indeed Allah is gentle and He loves gentleness in all things. So without a doubt, the origin is to be gentle. Even when dealing with people of corruption and responding to them. And especially when we're talking about dealing with Muslim. The Muslim he's struggling or she's struggling with sin. The person's iman is weak. It's not from wisdom to just come and just start coming down upon the person and then you chase the person away. Or a person is a new Muslim. A person is a new Muslim, still has with him or her 
some baggage from Jahiliyyah. So they're still falling into things. Like, this is a crucial point for this Muslim. Person is new to Islam, don't chase the person away. Sometimes we don't have tact and wisdom when dealing with new Muslims. And we expect for the new Muslim to be doing everything in one night, in one week, in one month. But when we, took, when we accepted Islam, we didn't do everything in one night. We didn't do everything in one week. We didn't do everything in one month. Some of us, it took us years to get where we at. And we're still struggling with things. We're still struggling with vices and, and sin and the likes. So be mindful, like when you're dealing with especially the new Muslims, and you see them struggling with sin, bring them closer. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Bashiru wa la tunafiru yassiru wa la tu'assiru The Prophet ﷺ said, give glad tidings. Don't chase the people away. Make things easy and don't make things difficult. He said this when he would send the Sahaba out to give da'wah to the people. This was the advice he gave them. The Prophet ﷺ was asked, do the hearts turn? Do they change, flip from one condition to another? The Prophet said, yes. There is no one from the creation of Allah, from the children of Adam, except that his heart is between the two fingers from the fingers of Allah. And this hadith here establishes that Allah has fingers but befitting to his majesty we don't say how we don't give examples we just say what the prophet said and it is befitting to Allah's majesty that and how is the hands or are the hands of Allah we don't know Allah says he has hands in the Quran the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in narrations described Allah with hands here he mentions the fingers of Allah. How are they? We don't know. Because no one knows the essence of Allah. Allah is from the unseen. And even when the Prophet ﷺ was asked, Did you see Allah on the night journey? He said, It was only light that I seen. Because the hijab or the veil or the screen of Allah is light. So he didn't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the night journey. He just saw light. He says, If Allah wills, He will establish the person's heart. And if Allah wills, He will deviate the heart. Now, if Allah establishes someone's heart, this is from Allah's mercy and favor upon that person. And if Allah leads someone's heart astray, then this is due to the sin and deviation of that person. Allah says, فَلَمَّا زَاغُوا أَزَاغَ اللَّهُ قُلُوبَهُمْ So when they deviated, Allah deviated their hearts. So the deviation is initiated by the person. So Allah leading the person astray is the recompense or the punishment for the person deviating from the path of Allah. What Allah says, فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا in their hearts there is a sickness, so Allah increased them in sickness. So the, the human being is the one who commits the offense first, and as a result of the person transgression, 
and the person's deviation, Allah leads the person astray. It's from yourself. As the Prophet mentioned, whoever finds good, فَلْيَحْمَدِ Then let him praise Allah. And whoever finds evil, then let him not blame no one except for himself. So the Prophet went on to say, so we ask Allah our Lord not to deviate our hearts after He has guided us. And we ask Him to give us mercy from Himself, indeed He is the bestower and the giver. So all of this what we find in these narrations shows the importance of having great concern for the heart. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, لا يستقيم إيمان عبد حتى يستقيم قلبه ولا يستقيم قلبه حتى يستقيم لسانه. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned that the faith of the servant will not be established and upright until his heart is established and upright. And his heart will not be established and upright until his tongue is established and upright. So here, looking at this narration and the previous narrations, it reflects that that which is inward has an effect upon that which is outward. And likewise, that which is outward has an effect upon that which is inward. So a person has to strive to rectify both. Rectify the heart and rectify his speech and his actions. But of course the origin is the heart. Time? Time. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions... يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفِعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٌ On the day when no wealth or children will be of any benefit except that the, one, the person comes to Allah with a sound heart. So the Prophet ﷺ said, that this morsel of flesh, if it is correct, the whole body is correct and upright. And if it is corrupt, the whole body is corrupt and upright. And indeed, it is the heart. One of the greatest ways to rectify the heart is reading the Qur'an on a daily basis. Reading the Qur'an constantly, constantly making dhikr, constantly making istighfar. These things purify the heart. Making your prayers on time Making the sunnah prayers Because the more you worship The more your faith increases The more good you do The stronger you become You know it's like when you exercise If you don't go to the gym You don't get the muscles right If you don't exercise You don't get the muscles Likewise the faith if you don't put into practice the good deeds, the faith is not going to be strong. So the more good you do, it's like the, the physical exercising, the body becomes strong. So when doing good, your faith becomes strong. 
But the more you disobey Allah, the weaker your faith becomes. And it can become so weak that it may lead the person to leaving the religion. So his faith leaves him completely. So we must be mindful to do that which is pleasing to Allah, to purify our hearts. And when we do fall short, because we are human beings and we will fall short, that we immediately repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove that black spot from the heart. As Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions, كَلَّا بَلْ رَانَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَحْسِبُونَ Nay, there is a seal upon their heart from that which they earned. The Prophet said, when a person sins, a black spot is put on the heart. If he repents, it's removed. But if he continues to sin, the black spot grows until eventually it covers the heart. And then the Prophet recited that statement from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from the benefits of this narration, that the deen is a deen of clarity, and the halal is clear, and the haram is clear. And those matters that are doubtful, then we should return back to the origin, stick to that which is clear, and leave off that which is doubtful. From the benefits of this narration, protecting one's honor and protecting one's practice of the deen by staying away from the doubtful matters. From the benefits of this narration, the importance of not going near to the haram. Because going near to that which is haram can draw a person into the haram. And staying away from that which possibly can be haram so that you do not fall into the haram. Also from the benefits of this narration, the importance of the heart and striving to purify the heart by the permission of Allah, implementing the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stay away from disobeying Him. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to purify our hearts as well as our actions. Wa subhanaka allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubiru.